Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Every now and again in life, if you're blessed, you meet somebody that's entirely unique, whose life is different, whose service to the world is different, and who finds a niche and does it well. Hello, I'm Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm very excited about today's interview because this is a longtime friend of mine and colleague, and yet a very unique ministry. Herman Bailey. Herman, welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm delighted that you're with me today. I have to tell you, Dr. Rutland, this is a distinct honor for me because for 40 years, I interview people. (laughs) And when you said the other day, I'd like to interview you, interview you on my podcast. uh, Actually, this is the way I feel when somebody asks me about something. I think they're kidding. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, I thought it would turn the table. Think how many times you've interviewed me on TV. And I thought I will inflict some of this pain on Herman. <laughs> did you remember when I came to the school? Yes, we did it right in chapel. Right on the platform. Yeah, that was a great day. I, I, wanted, the, I wanted the students. To, that was at Southeastern University when yes. I was the president there. How many go and, there now? How many are there? I'm not sure, but it it certainly three or four thousand. Yeah. Wow. That's there was thirty seven hundred when I left there to go to ORU. So now you're turning this into an interview. (laughs) I'm interviewing you. (laughs) Now you have to be obedient. You know, my my audience in here, Dr. Rutland, they just did like this to me. Stop it. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, uh, I want to talk to you about uh, the beginning of your ministry because it's it's quite unique. So there was a time when you were in business. You were a great businessman. You had a lot of businesses, including the the motel that I think you had a love hate relationship with. <laughs> so well, tell you me do know about of, me. <laughs> I I do my homework. Wow. So uh, let me. Uh, let me ask you then, at what point did you decide or did you begin to decide business may not be the long-term approach for you? Well, it's interesting. M- met Sharon, which is the love of my life, in college, Trinity College, and we were married and then moved to Buffalo, New York. By the way, I said, one place I'll never live is Buffalo. <laughs> That's where we decided of, to live. And it was during the re- it was during a recession. Oh, so so I moved to Buffalo and got a job, moved up in the ranks. I got, you know, was production manager, uh, plant manager, the whole thing, had my own parking place with my name on it. You know, that executive thing. I was about 22, 23. Wow. And and during that time of really success in the company, I would tell Sharon almost maybe every other day, honey, uh, this is not for me. And she would say, well, what are you talking? I said, I just, I just don't, I, I, you know, I said, she, and I, I, I said, I used to say to her, if I can be this successful in what I don't like, mm. can you imagine if I found something I like? And so she said, well, what do you like? I said, ministry. Now, Mark, I'm an introvert. I mean, if there's an introvert here, I'm the one lower than that. So why I would even say ministry, because I used to shake, my face would shake. If somebody in church would say, 
could you stand up and give us your name and your family's name? And so, and I would just, I mean, it would just blow me away. So well, I that's was. Inter- that's interesting, Herman, because you don't come across that way on camera or anything. Is it that you've mastered it or, or are you different uh, on the set than you are in, in private? In Have you private, mastered that? In, in private, I'm in a corner. Yeah. And if I have to go to a banquet like our college banquet, I get in and get out. That's interesting. I have a good friend in the ministry, uh, Jensen Franklin. And Jensen is actually extremely shy. And that God has used him for this worldwide ministry. That's interesting. I, I, you know me, I'm different. I never met a stranger. So <laughs> yeah. I know I admire your abilities. But well, I, don't, I don't know if it's I, admirable. I can't envy them because that would be a sin. So well, I don't know if it's admirable or not. It just it's in you like I think it's in your DNA, like the color of your eyes. But it's just interesting to me that somebody uses you, this shy introvert, into really a a blossomed into a, a worldwide television ministry. Well, it's interesting. I was born in Kentucky. And my parents left when uh, very, very early age, uh, a relative took care of my sister and I, Mm. and they went to Chicago, my mom and dad to make a living Mm. because my dad was not a farmer and he was in Kentucky, a tobacco farm. So that traumatic time of not having parents scarred me until I had a a chip on my shoulder. I was mm. rebellious. When we finally got together in Chicago, uh, I would go to schools, get kicked out, go to schools, get kicked out, go to schools, get kicked out. I was just a rebellious idiot. Mm. Wow. And finally, my dad put me in Wheaton Academy in Wheaton, Illinois. Right. Very expensive school. He had a motel and restaurant and everything. So, and I found that atmosphere was conducive for me good and and from there then he opened the door for me to go to trinity college in clearwater florida and and i was still very rebellious by the way and and so he said what do do you think about going to college in florida and the only thing i thought was let me see beaches girls that's it And God I, never, God never fishes without bait. <laughs> uh, but so, so I ended up at Trinity College. Wonderful. And I, and, and Dr. Watson, unbelievable guy. He was the original or the founder and president of Florida Bible Institute. That's where Billy Graham went right. in Tampa. Right. And, and just a fabulous guy. But that year I was not very good. He asked me to leave so there was another one i had to leave so i ended back in chicago but here's amazing thing dr watson once he asked that never let you back and so i came back at his permission wow that's the year that i looked across the room and saw sharon ah and we locked eyes and the rest is history. Wow. Well, that's great. That's a wonderful story. I never knew that. So you were actually asked to leave yes. the college and then invited to come back. He must He must have seen something. Well, I, somehow my dad worked something. 
Because my, my dad is just, he was amazing. He never gave up on me. Uh, I think he called one of the professors because he knew a lady professor in the college. And I think she went to Dr. Watson. This is just my summation. And asked, would it be possible? Because I think he's okay now. And it, what is amazing is I have pictures of Dr. Watson because eventually I started a senior adult ministry called Super 60s that became the nation's largest senior adult ministry. And in a picture, I have Dr. Watson sitting down on the platform with uh, Old Fashioned Day with, with, with many of my audience behind him. And I've often thought when he's sitting there, did it go through his mind? I told this guy to leave. Now look what he's doing. <laughs> I want to come to Super 60s in a minute, but let me touch on something that I know about uh, and get you to talk about it because it's a kind of ministry that was huge at one point, And now, as far as I know, basically nobody does it. And that's bus ministry. Yes. You really built a huge bus ministry. Tell, tell me about where that happened. Well, Dr. Bill Klein, he was a student with me at Trinity and we became friends there. And in many, many years past, I was in company in, in uh, Buffalo, New York and so forth, came back to Florida and, and went to Bill's church, Trinity Baptist Church. So he kept asking me, why don't you come? Yeah, this is, this is the place you ought to be. So finally we decided to, that we would go to that church and, uh, they moved to another campus. He had a brand new church built. And one day he comes to me and uh, he's, he said, uh, God is asking me to ask you to start a senior adult ministry. And I, I mean, I literally got mad. I said, Bill, you know, I can't even stand up and give my name in a crowd. <laughs> I said, do I have to speak? He said, well, well, yeah. I said, I can't do that. So he said, well, pray about it. Three months went by. I mean, I was, and I praying, 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 and it was late. And I know you know this, but when God says, this is for you. That's it. I, I felt inside of me like, so I walked in his office the day he finally said, you got to come by and let me know what you're going to do because I need to move on. So I walked in and I, and I knew I had to say yes. I walked to his desk. He looked up at me and he says, what's your answer? I said, no. And he said, no. And so he did it. He actually did this. He said, he picked up his Bible. He said, show me. I said, show you what? Show me God can't use you. And I broke just huh. weeping, wow. standing in front of it. And he started crying. Wow. So I said, Bill, I was supposed to say yes. I just, I, I, and he said, okay. So I walked down to a little room in, in, a, in a freestanding office for the, for the church buried my head literally in this little office in my hands crying and i said lord i'm available and that's all i said to the lord because here's a guy that didn't speak couldn't preach doesn't sing is not a musician i mean zero talent zero and he's asking me to start a senior adult ministry you know i i hear that as a Almost as a Christian platitude. Did, all did the time. I jump into? Did, did I thank you for that? I, did I jump into the, the uh, Super Sixties and not tell you about the bus ministry? You did. I think you're. I think you're afraid to talk about the bus ministry. <laughs> I'm determined. So let me tell you where I got my training. All right. Did you ever hear Jack Hiles? 
Of course, Jack okay. House, Hammond, Indiana, the greatest bus minister in the whole world. 15,000 coming on his buses. Well, I went to church there. Uh, my, my, my wife and family. Chicago suburb. Yes. That's where I got indoctrinated because it was outside of Chicago. That's where I got indoctrinated in bus ministry. So when I came to Trinity Baptist Church, they had a, a ministry, but there was about 100 coming on the buses. And I wasn't involved in the ministry at all. Hmm. So I told Bill, I said, 100? Because I'm, I'm used to his 15,000 kids. And I and he, and he said, well, yeah. That's what, I said, would you mind? Do you want me to run it? And he goes, yes. So from 100, we got to almost 800 wow. kids coming. We got 14 buses. And, and I was a bus ministry. Uh, I had 125 coming on my bus. And we had all of the buses coming in. And we had almost, in fact, the St. Petersburg Time came out and took pictures of the kids on the buses uh, because the, the, the number was so unusual for that area. You know, I, I know that we have all the legal issues and safety issues and everything else today. And I, I do I do not I know that different kinds of ministry change from season to season. I'm, I'm aware of all that. But I have to say, I do kind of miss bus ministry. I do. You may not know this. When I was a young Methodist evangelist, we attended a spirit-filled Methodist church. Wow. And on the, on the Sundays when I wasn't on the road, I worked in the bus ministry. And they wouldn't let me drive a bus. I couldn't be a bus captain. You know what they made me do? Ride on the bus and tell the children stories. Wow. So, so I was the story guy. You affected on, their life. <laughs> well, affected or infected. I don't know which one. But we had a great time in bus ministry. And I, I, I kind of miss it. I have to show you a picture here. This is, her name is Candy. And on my bus, I used to have contests. And they had to memorize scripture. And so she memorized the most scripture. And I mean, she was just, and, and of course she became a Christian and, and just smart as could be. Uh, her best friend one day was laying on her bed and she had her, her dad's shotgun in her hand and she oh. thought she was just playing. So when Candy walked in, she goes, hello, and pulled the trigger. Oh, didn't know that didn't know it was loaded. Oh, no. Killed Candy. And I remember remember going to Candy's funeral speaking and that the, the casket was open and, she, and I had given her a genuine leather Bible. And she just adored that because it was it was not, you know, leather or it wasn't one of those paperbacks. It was leather bound because I wanted to give her the best. And and they had laying on her chest. That Bible that I gave her oh, in the casket. God. So that's what the that's a product of the bus ministry of kids that come from broken homes. Uh, dads usually, you know, with a six pack yep. sitting next to them because I would yep. go in their homes and I'd see that. Yep. And and that's a result of what the ministry. And yes, I I with you, I I miss the ministry. Yeah, I've, I've gone into many a little home and helped the kids. Dad drunk on the couch. Uh, the mother in bed, and I go and put the kids' shoes on and take them out to the bus. And uh, and I, I still think it was an effective kind of ministry, but I'm not I'm not old-timey. I, I know we've moved on. Now, now we come to the super 60s. And you built, you and Sharon built the, am I mistaken about this? You built the largest senior citizen ministry in America. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and it was the Lord. It was 
totally. I mean, he, he the first time I opened the Super 60s, we had just the group of senior adults in the church at Trinity. And so they were the charter members. So I remember taking their picture, right? And they were in this little section. And what I said to them, now, don't forget, this introvert guy is scared. So I'm, they don't know it because I can fake it pretty well. And so I, I sat there with them and I said, I want you to see what I see. And they waited and I said, I want you to turn around and see this auditorium filled. Wow. And I and they and they turned back and I said, now if you will join me in prayer, and if everyone that is here will ask at least five people this week to come to this super sixties and pray that this auditorium will be filled in the first year. Wow. And you could tell the look on their face like, and so what it did was it instilled in senior adults, which are prayers anyway, that, wow, this is something we can pray about and see happen. After, after a little over a year, they were sitting, my, my group sitting up front, then I took the picture, the auditorium was filled. You cast a vision, you operated in faith, and you invited them into the operation of yes, faith. Yes. They, got, they got onto your vision and caught hold of your faith, and God did all the rest. Yeah. And, and, and I would open the Super 60s when it got really loud. I'd run down the aisle wide open because I was really fast at that time in my 30s. And I'd jump up on this platform about seven steps up. And I would turn around and say, I love you. And the whole audience would go back, I love you. Because I've been using that I love you sign for since 77. And uh, so, so, but that's how I broke that fear because years ago in the 60s, I took mm. a Dale Carnegie course because mm. I was one of the executives in New York at one of the companies. And he said, you know, I want you to, to talk to the people that work for you. So I want you to take a six weeks of Dale Carnegie. And it was torture. I mean, <laughs> have you ever heard of Dale Carnegie courses? Oh, sure. I sure, mean, sure. You, if you're an introvert, you might as well lay down and have people push toothpicks under your fingernails. It is that <laughs> unbelievable. So I, but I'd actually remembered what the training was all about. When I opened the super sixties, I thought what you do to get rid of your fear is you do something that is, is way out there. And so I would run wide open down the aisle, jump up on the platform, turn around and say, I love you. And it would, and, and that fear would go. That's a great lesson. Sometimes I even act like I tripped going up the steps and I would land, land up and turn around and they would, you'd hear them go, Oh, but it was fake. Cause I, cause uh, I wanted, I wanted to get rid of all of the fear that I had going on in me, uh, mistakes and everything. And it was out there. And, and that's how I opened for four years at super sixties. That's a great lesson. That's a great lesson. Now there's something I want to zero in on. And that is this. So a lot of people think, to do something like Super 60s, you have to be in your 60s. But you were 30 years younger than the people you were ministering to. Talk to me about that. I, I told them, that group up front, the small group that we began with, I said, you're probably looking at me and saying, what does a young guy know about what I go through? And I said, here's why I'm here. God called me. Mm. But I said, I'm here to make you feel young mm. not talk about how old you are i like that and then i said to them age 
is only a number. I said, get that in mind. And I said, you know what? I want our audience, this is what I'm telling them at the very beginning. I want our audience to not dress like, when you think of a senior adult, you have a certain dress look. I said, our senior adult is going to come in here and they're going to look like everybody else. They're going to dress unbelievable. It's going to be a whole different look. And that's exactly how it became. It, it became where they would walk in. They weren't, you know, because senior girls have, a di have, you know, these certain kind of dresses and whatever. They would literally walk in in the most beautiful clothes. So I would wear a suit and a necktie. And they would always say, you're going to run down the aisle. Why are you all, all dressed up all the time? I said, because I'm here to impress you. Mm. You are my guests. And I want to look the best that I possibly can. And that's why I look this way. So it just kind of permeated through the whole audience. You changed the, it wasn't just the numbers. You changed the culture. It was a, you created a culture of energy and excitement and fun. Uh, I wonder, uh, Herman, if churches aren't making a mistake in, in not even considering young people to run the senior citizens ministry. They always look for a senior citizen. And I'm not trying to get a senior citizen fired, <laughs> but I wonder if they're not making a mistake to, yes, to not even consider young people you, to lead the senior citizens ministry. You put your finger right on it because I held seminars as a result of ours becoming the largest in the nation. And we'd have pastors coming from all over the United States coming to the seminar that I was teaching. I would give them workbooks, how they can go back to their local church and begin their own super using the same name. In fact, I helped Blackhawk Baptist Church, Dr. Jeremiah's church when he was in Indiana. That's where he first had a church. Now he's got right. this huge church out in California, but I helped him start his first super sixties. Oh, Sharon reminded me, even our son became a super sixties leader in Florida, in Sarasota. But, but, it, but it is so it, and, and the greatest thing, Mark, in the whole thing I've just talked about, in that four years, I led 3,400 senior adults to Christ. Wow. And the statistic, when I first started, this is the statistic, only one out of every half million ever accept Christ after 65. Wow. Wow. Because they feel like, and, and actually, if you think about it, senior adults look saved. You know, you, you see a youth yep. group and they got yep. tattoos all over them. They got the earrings through the nose and the ears. And you go, that kid needs to be saved. You look at a senior adult. I mean, somebody's got the audacity to say, have you ever trusted Christ? Yes, Isn't I did. 3,000. And I had a, a system that when I, when I gave the message, I had a little uh, where, where they would sign in, a little, just a little small name, address, phone number. And I would have them bow their head after I gave the message, the salvation message. And I would ask them to pray with me. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, mm. if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And then I would pray the sinner's prayer. And then I would say, everybody look up here now. If you prayed that prayer and you know that that was the first time you ever meant it, I want you to take that registration, turn it over, and just put an X on the back. And we're going to send you some material. I have some people that will come and make sure you understood what you did. Wow. Good. And, and I would have, and they would go, and many times they would go out and they would tell the senior adult, I'm here because, they would say, why are you, I'm here because you put an X on the back. And so the, the pastor or whoever that I had going out there, 
uh, did you understand? And sometimes they go, no, I didn't. But I, I did that because because he said to do that. Mm. And, and so they would lead the senior adult to Christ in their home. Isn't they, that wonderful? It was an entrance to come in. Sure. And just to ask them. So 3,400. And then I would lead. We took cruises all over the all over the. Right. Yeah. 344 on one cruise, uh, 140 some on a on trip to Hawaii. And and I mean, I mean, the stories go on and on. I led a man that had a stroke in Hawaii. We were at the luau. And he had a stroke. I rode to the hospital with him in the ambulance. He was joking, talking to them. So they put him in the bed and I stood by his bed before I left the hospital. I said, let me ask you a question. Have you ever personally invited Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life? And he looked at me and he says, no. Wow. I said, would you pray with me right now? He goes, yes. So I held his hand. He accepted Christ. Because the group was so large, we had to leave and his wife was in the hotel the hotel just took care of him like you can't believe he, uh, the, his wife and so we had to go on to the next destination and i found out the next day he passed away god's perfect timing god's perfect time and your obedience yeah, amazing and i and i told his wife i got back to her i said i told his wife i said i'm so sorry we had to move on she oh herman don't even think about that. She said, do you know what his last request that he ever wanted to do all of our life? He wanted to go to Hawaii. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? Herman, now I want to jump in the interest of time. I'm going to jump ahead now. So you're doing this huge um, senior citizens ministry cruises. It's you're doing seminars, teaching other churches how to do it, created everything. And then. Now, Bob DeAndre and television pops out of the woodwork and you switch to start doing basically a Christian television program that's directed again towards seniors. Now, I want to ask you a question. Somebody described you to me and they said, I said, tell me before I ever went on your show, you before the first time you ever invited, I said, tell me about Herman Bailey. And here's what they said. They said, He's the Arthur Godfrey of Christian television. <laughs> I, I don't know. There may be nobody else listening to the podcast today that can even remember Arthur Godfrey except you and me. How does that definition sound to you? Well, uh, that's longevity. So that's, that's why they probably said it. You know, because he was on forever. Well, and he had that uh, that same format. He'd yeah. have somebody yeah. sing, do a little interview. Yeah. I don't know if you can play the ukulele. I think uh, I think uh, Arthur Godfrey played the I ukulele. I can play it, but you can't decipher what it is. <laughs> well, that for a guy who's shy, and you've overcome that to deal with to deal with uh, the senior citizens ministry. Okay, great. That's a great victory. But but as one who's done a boodle of television, I can tell you, when that red light goes on, that's a different thing, isn't it? How did that, how did you struggle with that? Well, I think I experienced the lowest introverted person that I'd ever been with when that happened. Because I remember, I'm, I remember my face trembling, my lips <laughs> trembling, and I'm thinking, about, but it's, what is amazing is, I never went home and said, I can't do this. Somehow, God's push in me said, this is what I called you to do. And so I never felt that 
even though I was, I mean, I was bad, bad, bad. I mean, it just, it, when I would interview somebody, I'd go, oh my goodness. But it was action 60s at the beginning was not called super safe action 60s at the beginning. Mm. And, and then it, uh, there was a change in the network. So we went back to, we had an hour show. We're live for 16 years, live in the studio with, with audience. And so there was a change in the network and they put, put it down to a half hour and wanted to change the name to it's time with Herman, Herman Sharon. So that's how all of that happened. Mm, But, mm. but the, the program itself, one day, Bob, this is unusual. He came to super sixties here, reading it in the paper. We were written up in the St. Petersburg time every weekend. Mm. And so he came to see this world's largest senior adult ministry. And he had this little container where you would put a quarter in and it said on it, uh, coming Christian television to Florida. And he would go to businesses and to offices, church offices, and say, could you just put this at your entrance so that they would accept it? Well, in wow. I, before Super 60s, I had an hour praying, doors closed. I just trying to get enough of God in me to make it over there and to do this program. So my secretary knocks on the door and she said, there's somebody in the line. And she never did this because I, I told her, I don't care who it is. Don't come get me because this is, I have to do this. She's knocked on the door. I'm going, uh-oh, why is, so I'm thinking emergency. I opened the door and she said, there's a man in the lobby that would like to see you. I do not, because normally I would say, he's going to have to come back later. He's going to have to talk to me later because I have to go over there to, to do the program. I said, okay, walked out there, and that's where I met Bob DeAndre. Didn't know who he was. I I didn't know. That's how the television thing started. That's that's how the. And then after some time, because the Lord did something miraculous in in the whole situation that we have and that you see me doing today, there was something amazing. And uh, so after about three months, Bob said, Have you ever thought about doing television? And I said, Well, you know, you could bring the cameras there and whatever. Well, he tried that. That didn't work too well. And, and so he kept saying, he said, D- D- I'm looking for somebody that would do a senior adult. And I said, well, I think I can help you. I said, because I'm pretty sure I know the personality. And I said, when you're interviewing somebody, I would be glad to help you. So that time went by. And then he asked me to come back to his office one day. And I said, he said, I found the person. And I said, oh, great. When do I meet them? He goes, I'm looking at him. Ah, that's so yet a- Yet again, somebody else saw something in you that you didn't even see yourself. That's, that's a life pattern for you, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because, because if, the, if the Lord doesn't push me into there, I would never believe wow. Herman could do this. I mean, it's like, because I, I don't have the equipment. The person that took over Super 60s after I left, this guy could preach. He was a song leader, songwriter piano player his whole family was musical now i said there's the kind of people that you need on that but it's it's interesting that it wasn't that kind of person that was the beginning of that god needed a a pioneer who was available and willing to obey i'm going to have to bring this to a conclusion pretty quick here but 
With regard to the television program, you created a format. I've been on it multiple times. I don't even know how many times, but a format that was um, engaging and fun and easy. Um, and it, it was um, the word it was watchable. If people just wanted to engage. And of course, I'm interviewing you, but Sharon had a huge part in that too. You, you're on camera chemistry, the two of you together and the, it was light. It was fun. And it was, and it was also very, very spiritual. Did that format develop quickly or did you have to sort of mold the show into that? I see pictures. And by the way, when you mentioned Sharon in the super sixties, I couldn't have built that without her because she, took care of all of the food. We fed 1,500 wow. in 15 minutes. We had wow. 125 volunteers. She was in charge of all of that wow. to make it all happen. And it literally looked like a, a anthill. If you stood in the balcony and watched what went on, it looked like ants going around because everybody had their job and they would do it uh, precision. And so she was responsible for all of that. And it was wow. huge. Wow, but, that is huge. But that idea of the of the action 60s, I see pictures, like some of the things that I've done through the years, I get pictures of what it could look like. And, mm. and I got that picture of what it could look like. And that was the beginning. And basically, we just changed the set, did a few things differently or whatever. But it the format remained the same. It was a great show, and I, I tell you, God really used you. You've touched lives through Action 60s. It was, a, it was great. I enjoyed being a guest. It was always pleasurable to be with you all. I never felt like uh, You're easy. the interview was— <laughs> Well, no, I never felt like the interview was going to jerk the rug out from under me in some way. You know, you're always worried when you go on somebody's show that, that you're standing on a trap door. <laughs> and uh, you guys were always gracious. You were generous. You promoted the colleges when I was on that and promoted my books and I appreciate and by the, that. By the way, this is good, folks. This <laughs> is good. I'm telling you. Well, those of you that are listening on the podcast, you can't see, but he's holding up a copy of, of Kings and Prophets. And so I hope you will. Herman, I want to I wanna thank you so much for your, your life, your witness, your energy, your dedication to the Lord, and, and your commitment to bring souls into the kingdom. Uh, God took a a shy, introverted businessman, and gave you a worldwide television ministry. What a mighty God we serve. Amen. 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 Thank you for being with us today. I have to tell you, this is a, a highlight of my year. Oh, and, and I'm so I mean, glad. this year and then going into the, the one we're almost headed into, it is really a blessing. And thank you for shocking me and asking me. <laughs> Thank you for joining me on on uh, the Leader's Notebook. And for those of you listening, what's what's our takeaway from from Herman Bailey's interesting and engaging life? Let me give you three quick things. The first is this: God sees somebody inside of you that you don't see. God sees capacity, ability, destiny. If you can wake up to God's vision for your life, there may be things that God wants to do with you and for you that you cannot imagine right now. The second thing, takeaway is this. At some point, you have to overcome your own limitations. You have to take the energy to run down that aisle and jump up on this platform and yell, I love you, and let God do all the rest. You have to plunge in. The third thing is this. If you're hearing this, God is not through with you yet. I'm so glad that you joined me today. Thank you. 
I hope that you will tune in next week for a brand new Leader's Notebook. Until we meet again, I'm Mark Rutland. Just before we end today, let me urge you to go to a website, thenicl.com. It's how uh, all the football players always say the Ohio State University. It's thenicl.com. That will give you information on the National Institute of Christian Leadership, which I teach personally and of which I serve as the executive director. There are four sessions. You can find out all the information about the topics and the price and how you can register. I want you to come and be a student of mine for a year of teaching on Christian leadership that I guarantee, money back, guarantee that it will be one of the most transformational experiences in leadership training that you've ever had. Hundreds and hundreds of alumni scattered all over the world, and I want you to join me thenicl.com You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website drmarkrutland.com Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook. 